1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
0: This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
2: Coming up, the economic hit over the shutdown. A paycheck being missed is a big problem.
0: The United Auto
2: Workers strike expands by thousands.
1: We will not be intimidated into backing
3: down by the companies or their scams.
2: In the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys segment, descendants of enslaved Africans fight for their land and heritage in Georgia.
3: Definitely some of it's about race, and definitely some of it's about politics, and definitely some of it is about entitlement.
2: I'm Allison Keys in Washington. Worries about a government shutdown have consumed the nation this week, while an angry public watches what many are calling dysfunction on Capitol Hill. The Biden administration addressed the situation on Friday afternoon, and White House reporter Linda Kenyon was there.
4: Well, the White House has made it very clear that they believe that it is up to House Republicans to come up with a deal and more over to honor an agreement that was made with the president of the United States just four months ago. And that was the deal that was with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the president and House and Senate Republicans and Democrats to have a debt ceiling agreement so as not to ruin the full faith and credit of the U.S. dollar. Now, that deal set a top line figure for spending, and that is the top line figure That the White House is saying House Republicans need to honor House Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy has said he wants to reach out to the president for more negotiations. The White House has said there has been a lot of negotiations. There was a deal that was signed into law and a deal is a deal. And the speaker needs to honor that deal if it means that he has to have more conversations with members of his own caucus, if he's having trouble with members of his own caucus and it is apparent that he is, then he's going to have to work that out. Is the White House saying that there's anything more that it could do? Because some members
2: of the public are saying, what the heck is going on in Washington?
4: Yeah, and and it's understandable that they would say that. You know, the White House has been trying to keep out of the spending negotiations in part because Spending is and the power of the purse resides in Congress, not with the White House. Now, when there was an 11th hour crisis regarding raising the debt ceiling, the president did get involved and did work out a deal with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And a question was asked at the White House briefing. uh, Would that happen again in terms of a government shutdown? Would the president get involved? And the press secretary was reluctant to say definitively one way or the other. uh, But the question persisted, would the president see this as another chapter in the negotiation process? And would he jump in at that point? She did not close the door to the president getting involved, but she did not exactly crack it open either.
2: That's CBS's Linda Kenyon. CBS's Nicole Skanga with more.
4: Alice
5: Silver can smile while she watches her kids play, but that grin fades when she thinks about what's looming. Times are hard as it is, and a paycheck being missed is a big problem. Silver's husband is one of more than one million members of the military who's facing the prospect of working without pay and potentially choosing between feeding their families or paying their bills. She had a message for members of Congress who will still be receiving paychecks during the shutdown. Make a decision you know, get their stuff together and and think about us real people who have real problems and real bills to pay. Hundreds of thousands of federal workers will be furloughed during a shutdown and millions more, like TSA screeners, will have to work without pay. People who don't get paid
6: to come into work sometimes don't come into work, even if they're asked to. So getting through an airport could be hard, getting a passport could be hard. The
5: shutdown takes effect at 12.01 a.m. on Sunday morning. Nicole Skanga, CBS News, Capitol Hill.
2: That United Auto Workers strike expanded again on Friday, adding thousands more workers to the picket lines as the union tries to make a deal with automakers. CBS's Michael George has the latest.
1: Auto workers at Ford's Chicago assembly plant walked out Friday, and so did UAW members at a GM plant in Lansing, Michigan. With another 7,000 members now on the picket lines, there are 25,000 workers on strike in 21 states. Our courageous members at these two plants are the next wave of reinforcements in our fight for record contracts. UAW President Sean Fain did announce some progress in talks with Stellantis, the parent company of Chrysler and Jeep. We are excited about this momentum at Stellantis and hope it continues. The UAW is currently seeking up to a 40% raise over four years, as well as job and cost of living protections. The union rejected offers from automakers centered around a 20% raise.
7: Some of these people, the second tier workers, they start at $16, $17 an hour. You can make that at McDonald's.
1: For its part, Ford says it has offered a historic contract that would change the lives of over 57,000 workers.
0: We still have time to reach an agreement and avert a real disaster, but not much more time given the fragility of the supply base. Show me! Show money!
1: Show me! The union is vowing to keep expanding the two-week-old strike if a deal is not reached. Michael George, CBS News
2: the american flag over the white house was lowered to half staff friday in honor of senator diane feinstein she died at the age of 90 the california democrat was the longest serving woman in the senate and to many from capitol hill to the golden state she was a legend who inspired others to follow in her footsteps
3: i ask that the senate observe a moment of silence in honor of senator diane feinstein
8: the Senate came in session just hours after the news of the death of Dianne Feinstein, her desk draped in black as colleagues remembered the California Democrat as a political force and friend.
3: Senator Dianne Feinstein was one of the most amazing people who ever graced the Senate, who ever graced the country.
9: Diane was
3: a trailblazer in her beloved home state of California And our entire nation are better for her dogged advocacy and diligent service.
8: She was my friend. Tributes poured in from both sides of the aisle. North Carolina Republican Tom Tillis calling her a trailblazer who lived an incredible life. And Florida's Marco Rubio nodding to a historic career of public service.
7: She cared about her country. She cared about her state. She cared about doing a job no matter how tough it is for the future of America, and she did it with dignity and respect every single minute.
8: Senator Feinstein served in the Senate longer than any woman in American history. She fought hard for a range of liberal priorities, but also had a reputation for finding middle ground with those who disagreed. She went out. President Biden worked side-by-side with the California Democrat for years.
9: She was a historic figure, trailblazer for women, a great friend.
8: In declining health, Feinstein had already said this would be her last term in office. She died at her home here in Washington, where the flags are at half-staff in tribute to a true pioneer. Erica Brown, CBS News, Washington.
2: Coming up, student loan borrowers are digging deep again. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
10: Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account?
0: on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes.
2: Some 27 million people will have to resume payments on their school loans this weekend for the first time in more than three years. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger explains.
6: October 1st is when millions of people with student loans from the government need to start resuming payments. There's been a significant increase in calls and inquiries. Kim Miller is a financial counselor who works with borrowers and says many are worried
11: about their budgets. They were using the money that was going to student loans. Now they were using it for food and transportation and and housing. And so now they have to squish that back into their budget. For those people, the government is now
6: offering the save plan, which can lower the monthly payment amount. Payments are based on the borrower's monthly income and the size of their family. For example, A single person making $60,000 a year will pay $227 a month, but a parent in a family of three making $50,000 pays zero. Those zero payments actually count toward total loan forgiveness, which kicks in at anywhere from 10 to 25 years, depending on the type of loan and loan amount. SAVE also treats interest differently. For example, If a borrower qualifies for a low monthly payment of $30, but their interest is $50, they won't be charged that additional $20. There's more info at studentaid.gov. In New York, I'm CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger.
2: House Republicans Thursday held their first hearing in the impeachment inquiry of President Joe Biden. CBS's Skylar Henry with details.
1: The Committee on Oversight and Accountability will come to order. As the House impeachment hearing got underway, the Oversight Committee's Republican chairman said lawmakers have a trove of evidence to make their case against President Biden. The House Oversight and Accountability Committee has uncovered a mountain of evidence revealing how Joe Biden abused his public office for his
12: family's financial gain. For years, President Biden has lied to the American people
1: about his knowledge of and participation in his family's corrupt business schemes. The House panel is hoping to show what they say are links that tie President Biden to his son Hunter and his family's business dealings. But key witnesses testifying Thursday said they do not yet see hard evidence of impeachable
9: offenses. And you have the statements of Hunter Biden. That's what makes this a credible inquiry. And the question is, did the president know did he encourage this type of corruption? I do not believe that the current evidence would support articles of impeachment.
11: I am not here today to even suggest that there was corruption, fraud or any wrongdoing.
1: Oversight chairman James Comer said he was issuing subpoenas for additional banking records from Hunter Biden and the president's brother, James
13: Biden. Online, everybody's making fun of this Seinfeld impeachment uh, an impeachment hearing about nothing, apparently. Throughout the more than six-hour hearing, the
1: White House issued statements saying nothing can distract from the Republicans' inability to govern. Skyler Henry, CBS News, Washington. Now to water issues
2: in the nation that some are calling a ticking time bomb. More than a decade ago, California became the first state in the nation to declare that access to clean drinking water was a human right. But CBS's Jim Krasula reports there's still a problem.
1: It's estimated that 400 public water systems serving some 1 million people in California are failing. That's increased 25% since 2021. Many more are expected to fail in the next few years. Water quality problems are greatest in the San Joaquin Valley, a
13: crucial agricultural area for the entire nation. There's a lot of communities of color and, and farm workers who don't have safe water and haven't had safe water for some time. Greg Pierce is
1: director of the Human Right to Water Solutions Lab at UCLA. Jim Crisula, CBS News.
2: In Louisiana, the drinking water supply in New Orleans is at risk. President Biden this week declared a saltwater intrusion there as a federal emergency, giving more support to local officials trying to stop it. But the latest forecast suggests that it will reach the Crescent City sometime around October 22nd, and it could stick around for months.
0: This is pretty significant. Heath Jones is with the Army Corps of Engineers. They're in a race to fix a looming threat brewing underwater. Extremely dry conditions over the past few months have led to historic low levels on the Mississippi River, allowing dense saltwater from the Gulf to creep its way upriver, which could affect the ability to treat and supply drinking water in New Orleans. In July, these boats built a sill, or an underwater levee, to try and slow the salt water. But last week, the sill was overtopped. Now, engineers are working to increase its height by 30 feet. We're about 20 miles south of New Orleans in Plaquemines Parish, and this is where the Army Corps of Engineers is adding to their silt. They're taking silt from the bottom of the Mississippi River and then stacking it over here to form a higher barrier to try to slow down the saltwater. If you get this barrier higher up, how much time do you think that buys you? 10 to 15 days. So far, the dense saltwater has moved about 70 miles upriver. It's predicted to hit Bell Chase in southern New Orleans by the middle of next month. Solutions include using barges to ship millions of gallons of water to treatment plants or tapping into other water resources upstream. Donald Link co owns several restaurants in the Big Easy. He's already inquiring about water tanks. We're not just going to sit here and hope. Hope is not a plan. We're, we're going to get ready for it and hopefully that it never happens. Omar is CBS News, New Orleans.
2: Drivers in California are digging deep again, trying to deal with skyrocketing gas prices.
14: Gas prices are soaring to all too familiar levels. Affecting everyday drivers. Yeah, it's like you're working just to put gas in your car. To truckers.
3: Astronomical. California prices are way too high.
14: And 24 hours, AAA reports the average price for regular unleaded gas in California shot up by around 14 cents, hovering just over $6.
1: If you ask the state of California, they'll say that there's two reasons. One, there's maintenance issues going on in refineries in California. And two, the global price of oil is very expensive.
14: State GOP lawmakers are pushing for Governor Gavin Newsom to intervene by transitioning early to a winter fuel blend while calling again for a suspension on the gas tax.
10: It just goes up every single
1: year. So um, and I don't really think, uh, you know, our roads are getting that much better.
14: In the past, this call has been rejected by critics who doubt the savings would trickle down to drivers. In a recent letter, the governor did push for the switch to the cheaper fuel option. The newly created Division of Petroleum Market Oversight is expected to monitor any price gouging. The watchdog falls under the California Energy Commission and already is faced with a January 1st deadline to provide proposals on necessary market reforms. While state leaders work to find relief, California drivers are are trying to get the most bang out of their buck. But I do try to combine um, my errands as much as possible. Before their wallets burst.
2: That's KOVR TV's Shante Passmore. Coming up, a very special kind of Olympics. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
0: On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes.
2: In New York City, a daycare center is under investigation after police there say they found a ghost gun printing operation going on inside.
7: New York City police say they arrested an 18-year-old and two minors who allegedly used a home-based daycare center in this apartment building in Harlem as a ghost gun lab.
3: You got an 18-year-old in his room, 3D printer. He's not making little robotic toys. He's making guns.
7: Investigators seized two printed pistols, a printed assault rifle, and an incomplete handgun, all found in an unlocked room inside the daycare.
3: This is a heartbreaking scenario of thinking that you're dropping your child off to a place of safe haven just to find out of that it was a dangerous environment.
7: The suspects are facing multiple charges, including illegal firearms possession and the manufacturing of an assault weapon. The 18 year old's mother ran the daycare since 2021. It was last inspected by the city in February this investigation comes nearly two weeks after a one-year-old boy died and three other children were hospitalized when they were exposed to fentanyl residue inside a daycare center in the bronx the owner's husband was picked up by police in mexico officials now say they will review training practices when it comes to inspecting daycares
3: who would have thought that we must add uh, to our list of inspections uh, do we have 3D printers that can print guns?
7: CBS News has learned the daycare center was licensed to have 12 children as young as six weeks old. When asked if the mother of the suspect who ran the daycare center would face any charges, authorities would only say the investigation is ongoing. Jerika Duncan, CBS News, New
13: York. For World
2: Heart Day, a warning for women.
13: Three years ago, Katherine Fitzgerald was at her son's graduation party when she felt violently ill. I couldn't breathe, and I felt like my right elbow was broken. The attorney and mother of three was having a heart attack, but she says when paramedics arrived they missed it.
15: I explained to them my symptoms and my pain and everything. The paramedics said, oh, you're having a panic attack, and I said, no, I'm not having a panic attack. I'm dying, (laughs) and he goes, well, that's what people say when they're having a panic attack.
13: Days later, she went to the hospital on her own. She needed two stents, and the delay in treatment left her with permanent heart damage.
16: I would rather that you-
13: Her current cardiologist, Dr. Harmony Reynolds at NYU Langone Health, says it's a story she hears from too many women even those who go to the ER right away.
16: I've heard story after story of women getting ignored in the emergency room, getting told that it almost certainly wasn't their heart, that it was probably stress.
13: Dr. Reynolds studied women and men who report symptoms of chest pain at emergency rooms. She found women wait longer to get care by an average of 11 minutes. Every minute that interruption is there, heart muscle is dying. For women, signs of heart attack can include chest pain, shortness of breath, nausea, and severe arm pain, a list Catherine says everyone should know. Any woman that you love, a sister, a mother, a wife,
15: know those symptoms, and if it happens to her, have her back and and get her checked out.
13: Having the muscle to demand care could make all the difference for her heart. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, New York. Some folk are taking laziness to
2: a whole new level.
11: A sleepy village in Montenegro has opened its doors to the lazy Olympics. To compete, all these athletes need is a
10: mattress.
11: I'm simply here for myself, says Jovan, who's taking a break from his job in marketing. I want to prove to myself I'm capable of pushing my limits. His slumbering skills have kept him going, while more than a dozen others have dropped out of the snooze fest that's been running for more than a month. Uh, Lilia says, I've been here for 800 hours already. I'll get up when I'm bored, but I'm not sure when that will be. There's a lot riding on this restful race. The winner takes a $1,000 prize. Jordana says she's managing to hold on. As for her husband, who's home with the kids, she says he tells me you're on vacation, stay in bed and enjoy it. As time ticks away, the rules are simple. No sitting up or standing and just one 15-minute bathroom break every eight hours. Lilia says my brother and parents came to beg me to stop, saying they'll give me the $1,000, but I said there's no chance. I'm staying until the end. In a country with a reputation for being laid back, organizers say the lazy Olympics are the perfect tribute. Tina Kraus, CBS News
2: but women over 40 in the U.S. are jumping double dutch.
11: No men, no kids, no pets, no stress. Each week, a growing group of friends jumps back in time when life was simpler. Most young black girls grew up jumping double dutch. It was a part of our culture. Pam
15: Robinson rediscovered her love for the hobby as an adult during a difficult period
11: on the verge of divorce. I was actually in the midst of a depression and I needed to find a happy place.
15: Her friend Katrina Dyer-Taylor helped her find it with camaraderie and a jump rope. What started with seven women one summer day in Chicago in 2016 has exploded into a nationwide phenomenon with
11: more than 100 sub-clubs from coast to coast. We're trying to make sure it uh,
4: doesn't become a lost art. The, the fun, the nostalgia of going out jumping and making new friends at our age.
15: Age is the only rule here. This club celebrates those who are 40 and older. Audrey Thomas is a leader of the Washington DC chapter. Women over 40 need and want some fun. A temporary escape from adult life. And however rusty you may be, these women will show you the ropes. When you learned of this club and you started jumping again, What did it bring back? Oh, old members of the childhood group. Yvonne Whitfield Briggs and Joan Young are in their 80s, and they wear it well. makes you proud to be the age you are. A celebration of fitness, but most importantly, friendship.
8: A group like this makes a difference that when you're going through something, you have people that pray for you. 40-plus
15: Double Dutch co-founders say the women jump in for the games, but they stay for the sisterhood. Natalie Brand, CBS News, Maryland.
2: One of the world's most famous
6: trees is now a stump.
8: This is my land and my tree, therefore whatever's in it also belongs to me.
6: Police in Northern England say they've arrested a 16-year-old boy for chopping down the sycamore featured in the 1991 movie Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, with Kevin Costner. Police say the teenager is under arrest. The tree, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, has stood for almost 200 years next to Hadrian's Wall that guarded the Roman Empire's northwestern frontier. I feel very bereft about it. Who would do it, for goodness sake? It's absolutely heartbreaking.
5: Just a special place. I proposed my wife here.
6: Park officials say the boy did it deliberately. No word on why. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News.
2: Coming up in the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes segment, a black Georgia community battles to keep its land.
3: Our culture is still alive.
2: That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
0: Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
2: Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Key segment, where every week we discuss issues including race, This time we're discussing a petition drive in one of the last Gullah Geechee communities in the U.S. South. The descendants of enslaved Africans are trying to save their history in a tiny community on Sapelo Island in Georgia from wealthy buyers. Maurice Bailey is with Save Our Legacy Ourself and says this came about because of gentrification and...
3: Because of colonizers. Um, That's that's how it came about. Uh, People started coming into our community. Loving our culture, loving the people, so they say. Loving this this very island, isolation. Uh, but at the same time, they was part to, to take over. Um, just waiting for people to pass away, uh, and just waiting for people not to show interest in any in home anymore. And so they, they worked together with different people to get this rezone for they can get what they want on South Low. And that was slowly get rid of the rest of the people on saplo. I've been fighting this battle for many years, Uh, and it's a lot of politics involved in it, a lot of favoritism involved in it, a lot of good old boys involved in it, and it is, some of it is based on racism.
2: Okay, let me back up for people that don't know where we're talking about. Where is Saplo Island, and why is it so important to the Black community? It's descendants of enslaved populations, right?
3: Yes, yes. We, we call ourselves the original 44 family of Sapelo. So we originated 44 families of enslaved people of Thomas Spaulding uh, mm-hmm. doing the plantation work on Sapelo started 1802. But the, the history of Black people goes back way into like 1620s uh, on Sapporo. Uh, but we can trace ourselves definitely back to those slaves of Thomas Spaulding. So we are those descendants, and we're down to, you know, under 30 descendants left in this community of Hall Hammock.
2: So talk to me about the history of this island and why it is so important to Black people. There are people there that have kept much of their African heritage. Is that right?
3: We kept much of our heritage as as we can. We have the, the last intact community here on the Jordan coast on a barrier island. Uh, and it's important to the people of Saplo, the descendants, because they came from ens- enslaving, enslaved to buying land, to farming, to surviving all these years. So it's, it's a lot. The land means a lot to the people here on Saplo because it's been their home for so many generations. And they feel like the spirit of people is still here on Saplo, uh, the ancestors. And so our culture is still alive. You won't see a lot of people inside the road making baskets or cast nets, but we more than just basket and cast cast our, our culture. We are the culture, and that's what we're fighting for.
2: Okay. So when the zoning happened a couple of weeks ago, basically what they said was they want to increase, they're increasing the size of houses that can be built there, and there are worries that this means rich folk are going to come in and cause the property taxes to go up and force the Black families that are already there to sell? Is that how that's working?
3: Yes, yes. It, it will it will force people to, to sell. Uh, taxes will eventually go up. It won't be an immediate thing, but it will go up. Uh, we've seen this for many years, of, of people coming over and building outside of the zoning and just get a slap on the wrist by our county and continue to build outside of the zoning. So this has been going on for a long time. And nobody really got penalized for building outside of the zoning. So now they're just trying to make it legal for they can build whatever they want to build. And and yes, people lose interest in their community after they drive to the community and don't see any houses that look like or they, so their grandparents' houses. The road had changed. Everything changed. So when people have that, that visual of a home, they lose interest in their home. And this may cause a problem of people now say, well, I'll just give up, but we're tired of fighting. I going to give them some of my land. So it it, it it will be a problem with the taxes, and it will be people just getting discouraged because they're tired of fighting the system that people don't recognize uh, who we are, how important we are. We're not recognized as Geechee people. We're not recognized as any any group of importance to our county uh, because there's nothing documented with our county, and they say we don't get any special treatment for being a, a Gullah Geechee community. Uh, on sapo Island.
2: So let me ask you a question because I know similar things have happened in Gullah Geechee communities all up and down the coast, right from South Carolina, where you have heirs of enslaved people who own the homes mm-hmm. and only they are allowed to sell the homes. But this zoning thing is going to change that. You think
3: it will change that? It will change that. We got a lot of heirs property on, on sapo We got property that falls under. The hazard story, which is a, another subject, um, and it will change that, and it will allow now to allow well, allow more outsiders to come in, yes, to build and control and take over communities. So this process of what they're doing now is a step of taking over the community, and, and this this is their first step of taking over the community and doing what they want to do in our historical community. So this this fight will not stop at just the zoning. Uh, this will go to the state level and probably further be, because these are plans that the newcomers have and they do have the connections to try to get to get a lot of this done if we're not careful, we're not keeping our eyes open uh, and make sure that we always visual what's going on.
2: So I've got to ask you the county says that they have allowed for sufficient community input although I think there've only been two meetings and they suddenly passed this in the middle of this month and the chair issued a statement saying that we hope to improve the situation for the Gulagichi people he notes that no acre was left to a non-descendant in Hawk Hammock and Only the heirs can sell their original property today. And this law, this this zoning is going to treat everyone equally, he says. And it's a modest compromise to meet both ends, and it's enforceable. What do you think about that?
3: Uh, That's just the way of protecting themselves. We was not involved in this decision of this original zoning. We were trying to get the county to rezone Sapelo for many years. And they keep putting it off. Oh, we not ready. Oh, we're gonna do it our next session. And they keep putting it off. They kept putting us off, putting us off. So they never wanted to entertain us when we was ready to resume uh to have better protection for our community. We never got that satisfaction of the county vote to, to do so with us. Uh, but when the newcomers put something together and these people live among us, our commissioners are right there among us, nobody Talk to any descendants and say, hey, we're gonna be we, we doing a new zoning change. Uh we want you input. So we was not informed of none of this until it was advertised in the paper, until emails came out. And once they started speak letting people speak in a public meeting, our kind of once they let you speak, they already made up their mind. There's no change in their mind. So they just go through the steps. But we know they wasn't gonna change their mind.
2: So, what you think is basically this is rich folk trying to take over land that belongs to an entrenched Black community that's been there for hundreds of years, and you feel this is about race?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely some of it's about race, and definitely some of it's about politics, and definitely some of it is about entitlement of of white people that they feel they entitled. So, it's it's all those things combined um, that spurred this this on. So definitely, yeah, we have sold. People have sold land th- throughout the years, and we can't ignore that. If if people did not sell a land, then we probably wouldn't be in this predicament. But people sold land, and they probably didn't see this coming. They probably, oh, I'm just going to sell my land because I'm not there. Uh, but that was that created a problem also. But it was still a lot of things done unfairly throughout the years for people to acquire land from the Senate also.
2: So if I, also what I'm hearing is that there are families who were forced to swap out their land, right? They were living on, on, on other islands and were told, well, we're going to take that from you and give you one acre on hog Hummock because, you know, they needed to sign over their land to get health care or transportation off the Island. Are these, are these things that you've heard from some of your fellow descendants?
3: No, none of that is, that's not accurate information. Uh, we we had various communities throughout Sapelo itself, and we was being consolidated uh, into one community from my grandfather, mother, as they was talking about uh, the day they had to move and other people had to move. So literally this started in the 1920s and it, and it lasted until the 1950s. So that people was being moved from other communities that we had on Sapelo into the last community. So, and that's another reason people are so passionate about it because people are still living and witness being moved into one community and had to give up their property. Some were swapped. It wasn't swapped fairly. Some deeds was forged during those times. So it's, a lot of things went on uh, that was not fair or equal during those times that this is going on. So this last community that we have is very important to people because they witnessed or they heard about how people lost land here on Southwood.
2: What happens to the Gullah Geechee community at large and Hog Hummock in particular if everybody sells their land, right? I mean, are, are we losing a huge part of the culture of the nation and black people in particular?
3: Yes. Yes. We, we kept our culture around and who we are for a long time because we was isolated we didn't have a lot of outside influence. So that's why we became known as this, this last Geechee community, because people could come here, and you can still hear people talking, uh, in Geechee and you see a lot of ways people doing things. So our culture stayed intact a long time because of our isolation. Uh, and that culture has been slowly disappearing because of the more people that comes into the community they want changes. They don't want those things. They don't want hear these things. They want changes, and so we're we're losing that culture. More and more people comes into the community. We move. We lose that culture, and we're very disappointed that our county will write comprehension plans about saplul and how they want to protect sapo and the culture and the people, and they don't. They on on the side of, of people that don't want this community as a Geechee community. They want this community as their community.
2: That's Maurice Bailey and Hog Hummock, a community taking up less than a square mile where people are fighting zoning changes. Sapelo Island is about 60 miles south of Savannah, Georgia. Residents are trying to get enough signatures on a petition to force a referendum on the county commissioner's zoning changes. Coming up, a goodbye to a powerful headmaster. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
0: On the CBS News Weekend Roundup.
2: I'm Allison Keys. Got some free time on your hands and a place with a great night view? WCCO-TV's Adam Rosso tells us there are some fine things to see in Minnesota.
0: I'm, I'm always on alert, Adam. I've got my app. I've got my alert.
13: <laughs> That's what it takes to capture one of Earth's most colorful and elusive displays, the Northern Lights. Photographer Chuck Olson has been doing his best to do just that ever since he moved to the North Shore.
0: It just feels like you're you're just out under the cosmos. It's almost you know visceral that like we have this thin atmosphere with these solar particles colliding into it and putting on this incredible show.
13: Scientists say we've actually been able to enjoy more of those shows earlier than expected, thanks to dark spots on the sun. The more
1: sunspots that we're seeing, uh, based on you know on the surface of the sun, and as activity keeps picking up it is more likely to have more space weather events and more space weather impacts.
13: The sun typically goes through an 11 year cycle of minimum and maximum activity. The last minimum, meaning less northern lights, happened in 2019 and the next maximum was forecast for 2025, but we've already surpassed the number of sunspots predicted for 2025. Anytime that you have a solar storm or coronal
1: mass ejection that does leave the sun and it's earth directed and it impacts earth, you know, folks throughout Canada and then even the northern tier uh, United States, as you were just talking about, have these amazing chances for these aurora displays. If you're looking to take advantage of the
13: active sun during our longer nights,
0: getting away from the city lights is the most important thing. The other important thing is that you have a clear view looking northward, or if you can find someplace a little higher elevation, you have to basically find joy in the process of of going after them, and uh, it'll you know it's happening more frequently, so. Keep the
1: faith, it'll happen.
2: Everybody knows that France is a big destination for people trying to get involved with wine tours and tastings, especially in the Burgundy region. But now they're turning out to learn about another delicacy with help from a fluffy looking white dog with a grin on her face.
16: Tiger may not look like much of a hunting dog, but her finely trained nose is seeking out some very expensive treasure, truffles.
10: All the breed can be a good truffle dog.
16: Their keen sense of smell is the key to finding the truffles because they grow below the surface, covered in soil.
10: You don't know really where are the truffles because truffles are under the ground. If there is truffle, dog will show you where, where they are.
16: Huh? Tiger and her handler Nicholas are commercial truffle hunters. They sell what they find.
2: A truffle is very
16: tough. But with increasing numbers of tourists interested in how difficult it is to find the delicacy, tours and demonstrations are also becoming a big part of the job.
4: We were just interested in how it's harvested.
16: Many people try truffle in mustards and oils, which prolongs its shelf life, or simply as a garnish.
6: I do like truffle, but I do not eat very often because the price.
16: <laughs> and that price can be eye-popping. These burgundy truffles retail for about $480 a pound. Riley Carlson, CBS News, London.
2: Tired of trekking to the job with a laptop on your back? One 23-year-old ditched that life and his phone and abandoned everything to become a cowboy in North Dakota. KXJBTV's Alex Larson.
12: Miles away from, well, anything, you'll find Caden Bradal. <laughs> A unique summer job. Someone needed sheep to eat weeds around the grasslands, but had no one to herd them. That's where Caden comes in. The 23 year old was suddenly in charge of 1,100 sheep, horses, dogs, and a new home. This is a humble boat. Living without running water, indoor plumbing, or electricity.
9: The phone, let me tell you, you don't need that thing. Be alone with your thoughts, at least a little bit in your life.
12: The summer heat usually forced Caden to sleep anywhere else, outside on a chair or on a pickup bed.
9: was kind of cool, but at the same time, not nearly as cool as the guy thinks it is.
12: Living without any familiar faces.
9: The first 30 days, it's like you're at war with your mind.
12: He did have one visitor, but she came with another unexpected guest.
9: Here I am, bare 20 yards away from my sister. She's sleeping in the chair, you know? And I'm throwing sticks at it. I'm like, what am I doing right now?
12: That wasn't his only run in with danger.
9: My meds, my antibiotics, because I got wrapped up in barbed wire with a horse.
12: A horse drug Caden through a barbed wire fence, sending him to the ER.
9: That horse is still going. It like comes like up my thigh, and like I'm sitting there getting drugged behind him, and he just takes off.
12: Believe it or not, Caden had not been a sheep herder before.
9: Two days slept out with sheep on the north side of 27.
12: But he quickly found out learning to herd sheep wasn't the hardest part.
9: You get a lot of time with your thoughts, you know, by yourself, you know, you figure out, you, you think about all the bad things you've ever done, every conversation you've ever had, every, everything.
12: Something he found more difficult than eating a can of beans for dinner every night, being alone.
9: It's life changing, like it's, You know, something like come out to the middle of nowhere where you don't know anybody.
12: But he got the hang of it. He even started helping others with their sheep and cattle. (whistles) Everything changed. He made connections.
9: A lot of good people. A lot of people that will be friends for life.
12: Caden is packing up sheep camp this weekend.
9: I think I'm going to sit in a shower for three days straight because I, I shower once a week. That might sound terrible, but it's what you do.
12: Despite the challenges,
9: I think every kid that's, you know, just graduating high school to 25 years old should try it at least once, you know, do something like this.
12: Next summer, he hopes to do it all again.
9: Now I don't know if I ever want to go back to a 9-to-5 job because this just want to sit on a horse forever.
2: Well, who wouldn't want to sit on a horse forever? Finally, a farewell to a man best known for his portrayal of a magical heavyweight, Hogwarts headmaster Albus Dumbledore, in six of the eight Harry Potter films. Sir Michael Gambon has died at the age of 82 from pneumonia. Whether the prolific actor was lighting up the screen in the 1996 version of Samson and Delilah...
3: Well, it's a love story. That's why it's powerful. And she cuts off his hair and double-crosses him, and she's a, a cheat and a liar and beautiful and powerful he's a great big hunk (laughs) i wish i was i should be playing samson
2: or offering advice to young wizards and witches with worries
13: the dementors will be stationed at every entrance to the grounds now whilst i've been assured that their presence will not disrupt our day-to-day activities a word of caution
2: or simply taking joy in the trappings of the role of headmaster dumbledore
3: you put on all that costume and the make up with a beard on, the wig, and suddenly that sort of takes over, the image of the character, the half-moon glasses, lots of gold rings, and it's infectious. It's like mask acting. If you put a mask on an actor, you look in the mirror, the mask will completely take you over.
2: The veteran actor completely took over fans for a career that lasted more than five decades. Sir Michael Gambon was 82 years old. That's it for the Weekend Roundup. Thanks for listening. We want to get your feedback. Send us your thoughts and story ideas to Roundup at cbsnews.com. As always, you can find the program online on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. The Weekend Roundup is produced at the CBS News Washington Bureau. Sarah Fishman is the technical supervisor and Alan Peng provides production assistance. Tara Lipinski is the executive producer. Have a great week. I'm Allison Keyes, CBS News.
0: If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.
13: When you're committed to raising the standard, you're bound to ruffle some feathers. At Happy Egg, we like to say we farm differently. But in reality, we produce eggs the way people used to, by partnering with local small family farmers who raise our happy hens on eight or more acres. Because in our opinion, farming shouldn't be complicated. It should be happy. Choose happy with Happy Egg. Visit happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg.